Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. Uh, Today is episode 30. I can't believe we're already 30 episodes in. Um, It's gone so fast. Kind of just going through all the guests we've had today and just extremely grateful um, for these 30 episodes. Obviously, starting off in June, it's been a it's been a crazy road where this has taken me and uh, just extremely grateful to to be able to do this and talk to some of the best players in the world. Um, And again, crazy to think today's uh, episode 30 Um, feels like just literally just yesterday that we started, you know, my first episode. Um, so a lot to get to today. Um, kind of want to keep it a little bit brief just because we have a, uh, awesome interview, um, with university of Denver's alternate captain, uh, Massimo Rizzo, who sits number one in the NCAA in points, um, having an unbelievable year talking about his time with Denver, um, what that community's like playing for head coach, David, Car- uh, David Carl, um, you know, his relationship with, you know, his buddy, Jack Devine, who's also ripping it up right now. Um, Zeev Booyam, another, uh, a freshman there, um, just talking about what it's like playing with those guys and, and what it's like being a part of that, uh, university of Denver team. Um, obviously a, a wagon right now sitting fifth in the NCAA, um, ranked fifth, 15, five and two. They're having an unbelievable year. You got to think they're, you know. Definitely going to compete for a natty this year. Um, I definitely have them going to the Frozen Four. Um, they're a fun team to watch. Any chance I get, I try to, um, you know, watch watch the Pioneers. Um, but first things first, um, I want to start off with a tweet just today. Um, Spit and Chicklets kind of tugging at Bruins fans' heartstrings uh, about, you know, Patrice Bergeron potentially making a comeback. Um, you know, the, the rumor boys, um, Biz, Wit, um, RA, just, you know, talking about the fact that Bergeron might be coming back. And, and man, immediately you see that. And, and our boy uh, Petrov um, <laughs> on Twitter immediately retweets the Bergeron's back. And that, that dude literally makes me laugh with all his tweets. Um, I I think this, it's crazy. I mean, is, is it crazy to think about? Right, the fact that Patrice Bergeron could potentially make a comeback. I mean, the way that things ended last year, um, did he think that this team was going to be as good as they are? And who knows? I don't think it. It's completely unrealistic for him to. They mentioned, you know, he's been skating, which, you know, is understandable. He wants to stay in shape. He wants to, you know, there was there was word that he wanted to stay in shape for the alumni game, but you know, as Biz alluded to. I don't necessarily believe that either. I mean, obviously he wants to stay in shape, but um, I think it would be insane. And uh, honestly, he'd be welcome back with open arms. And I think this Boston team could really use him, right? The stability he provides, the leadership. Um, I mean, he's one of the best captains to ever play. All, you know, all-time leader in Selkie trophies. Um he, this would be a huge ad. Um, I don't think there's any addition that this Bruins team could make, whether, you know, when talking trade deadline, that would be bigger than adding Patrice Bergeron back into this lineup. I think, yeah, there's there's no trade that they can make. I mean, and, and that includes Elias Lindholm, right? 
what what are we going to have to give up at that point to get Lindholm, right? What are we going to have to give up to get a Noah Hannafin, a some of these big names that you know their names are circulating around the trip, you know, the rumor mill. What are we going to have to give up? Because I think at this point in time, the Bruins really need to stop trading away all their assets, especially their draft assets. A lot of these drafts are passing by, and I think this upcoming draft especially, I've talked about it on previous episodes, is a very deep draft. Even if they're picking in the mid-20s, low-20s, this is a very high-value draft where they can grab a player that will make a significant impact um, on this team. I just, again, to add, be able to add Bergeron, you'd, you'd be signing him, right? You'd have to make the money work. But you're not necessarily giving up assets at that point. Um, this, this, again, for you know, for the Chicklets guys to you know, kind of put this out there, and most of my followers and who I follow are <laughs> obviously Bruins Twitter, so it just absolutely exploded today. Um, um, it, it just went insane, and and it got me thinking too. Like, if this team were to add a a Bergeron, I mean, you got to think they're serious cup contenders. Um, you know, I think they already are at this point. Um, they're having an awesome year. Um, I would say they're overachieving, um, based on where people thought that they would be starting out the year. I mean, they, they had two huge losses at center, David Krejci and Bergeron. They lost every single one of their acquisitions that they <laughs> that they got from the trade deadline last year. Tyler Bertuzzi, Dimitri Orlov, Garnet Hathaway. Um, they brought in a lot of very low-risk, high-reward players. Um, obviously, JVR is having an awesome year. My, you know, my guy on my favorite player, obviously, on the team. Um, ripping it up right now. Danton Heinen, Kevin Shattenkirk. And we're getting production from, you know, the young guys too. Um, you know, F- Freddie's having an unbelievable year. Um, just overall really exciting. And I-, I thought it was really funny to see that tweet. Um, I never thought in a, in a million years that uh, we'd even be talking about <laughs> Bergeron. I, I thought he'd be that type to just kind of retire and, and that's it. So it remains to be seen. Um what an ad that would be for this team, for this Boston team. Um, not only just on the ice, but off the ice. Um, his leadership, former captain. Um, and just, you know, obviously to be able to plug him into the center, the center role. Um, but yeah, shout out, shout out Biz, shout out Wit, RA, Rumor Boys, um, getting Bruins Twitter going. It was extremely entertaining today. Um, to see just the Twitter space explode, um, with Bergeron talking, I'm here for it. Um, I think he'd be a great ad. It's, it's whether or not he wants to, um, you know, come out of retirement and, and play the rest of the year and make a playoff run, help, you know, help the team make a playoff run. Um, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. Another guy that's, um, Retired now, um, an absolute legend, former Bruin, um, Sharks legend, Joe Thornton. Um, next year, they're going to be retiring his number 19 and couldn't agree more. Um, I think this is a this is a no brainer for this Sharks team. What he meant to that organization with uh, Patrick Marlowe, um, among others. 
Um, but they're going to retire, be retiring his number 19 uh, in 2024, um, 2025. Um, they haven't determined a date yet for the ceremony. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, he spent, you know, 15 years, 15 seasons of his 24 year career um, with the Sharks. Started off with the Bruins, obviously, as the first overall pick in 1997, um, playing eight years there. Um, you know, eight years with Boston, then he spends the next decade with um, the Sharks. Um, he was the face of that franchise, along with Patrick Marlowe, won four division championships and a President's Trophy, and made one Stanley Cup final appearance in 2015-2016. Um, I think he's one of the he's one of the one of the players. I mean, obviously, Aginla is up there. Um, there's so many. Players that you just wish won a Stanley Cup um, that didn't, right? And he's one of those guys. He just seems like the ultimate glue guy. Um, you know, every single person that, um, you know, you've heard on TV or whatever that talks about Joe Thornton said that he's the ultimate teammate. Um, you never hear anything bad about him. Um, Obviously, you know, Joe won the uh, the Hart Trophy and the Art Ross in 2005, 2006. Um, and, you know, he, he's the Sharks' all-time leader in assists and power play points. Um, second in points um, and fourth in goals. So, I mean, he's up there for pretty much everything. Um, he's literally one of the best playmakers, I'd say, of our gender. I mean that I got the chance to watch. I mean, he was unbelievable um, of how big he was and just how well he saw the ice, um, the ultimate playmaker, um, you know, going and, and he absolutely deserves to have that number retired. Um, it was a no brainer. It was just a matter of when it's going to happen. Um, and like I said, looks like it's going to happen um, next season date to be determined, but man, I'll definitely be tuning in to, uh, you know, to see Jumbo Joe have his number 19 retired. Um, some other news across the league. Um, news that I thought could, one of the bigger moves that I thought could happen, right? Um, a little bit of turmoil at the beginning of the year when it came to, you know, contract extension um, and just a lot of question marks as far as what is going to happen with this guy? And that's Tampa Bay Lightning, Steven Stamkos. Um, and it came out earlier from um, actually yesterday from Lightning GM, Julia Brisebois, um, that he, that Stamkos is going to remain with the team through the, you know, through this season. Um, you know, they, they have a March 8th deadline where they have to extend him. Um, it's been a popular topic. Um it's been it's been one of those question marks for this team, right? Like, what are they gonna what are they gonna do with him? Um, he turns thirty four next month, and he's in the final year of his eight year deal um, that carried a salary cap hit of eight point five million AAV, um, which seems like a player of his caliber. Although, in some injury concerns or you know issues throughout the years, was a steal for this team. Um, you know, Bruce Ball had opened up this season training camp um, saying right off the bat that he wasn't going to negotiate with Stamkos until after the season. And he stands firm on that. Um, 
you know, he's he had mentioned earlier that, you know, after this season, after, you know, whatever, they're going to sit down and try to hammer this thing out. And it looks like they're going to, you know, stick with that. And I, he's one of those guys, Stamkos is, that I can't see him on another team. Like, it's just going to look weird. Um, I think, obviously, I think he would be a, a huge asset to any team that he goes to. I think he's still an effective player. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of what a team is willing to give him being that he's turning 34. He's kind of on the down slope of his career. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I honestly hope they can make it work to where he stays with Tampa. Um, because I think he's literally, he's another one of those guys we just brought, you know, I just brought up Jumbo Joe with San Jose. Well, that's what I think of with Stamkos and the lightning. Like he is the face of that team has been, obviously they were successful in the days of Marty St. Louis, um, you know, Vinny LeCavalier, Dave Anderchuk, those guys. Um, but Steven Samkos, he, you know, he was drafted first overall in 2008 when this team was not good. Um, you know, and now he's tied for 35th. Um, in NHL history with 533 goals and then, you know, also got 564 assists, um, over 1,000 points, 1,097 points in 1,044 career games um, in his 16-year NHL career, which I mentioned all of which with the Lightning. Um, Seven-time All-Star, um, you know, and, and, he's, and he helped this team win, you know, consecutive Stanley Cup titles in 2020 and 2021 um you know so we'll see i mean this was this kind of was i was curious we did know that you know they were going to wait on contract talks um till the end of the year but for you know Breezewa to come out now and say that he's going to remain with the team it kind of gives you hope right that they're going to be able to hammer something out and they're not going to just ship him off for whatever um you know they it, it seems like they really want to try to sit down and hammer something out hammer out a deal and extension to pos you know to keep him a lightning forever um so we'll see i mean what that number is going to look like i mean who knows um can't imagine it's going to be anywhere near um you know what what he's making now obviously i'd probably say like half of that um, if not less, but yeah, that remains to be seen. Um, the next item on the agenda that I wanted to bring up were these all-star game jerseys and my God, I thought they were bad. Um, you know, Ryan Whitney brought up that they look like, uh, like they should be on a cereal box, but I think these are more like they just seem very animated and um you know I feel like this is a this is a design that's going to be really loved by kids um you know that follow hockey uh for me they don't really do it but no one asked me so I guess it doesn't really matter um not a huge fan of them um you know hopefully you know hopefully I think this is obviously for you know the kids and I think this is you know, it's, it's a cool little thing. It's, you know, I'm sure the kids love those and, um, remains to be seen. I mean, I'll definitely be, um, 
you know, tuning in for that. Obviously, we're not going to see um, Connor Bedard in that all-star game. Um, I'm, as I'm reading right now, he's already back on the ice, which is cra- pretty pretty cool to see. I mean, um, we always knew that he had a knack for the ice, and he's, you know, loves the game of hockey. It reminded me of, you know, Big Z, Zdeno Char, when he, you know, broke his jaw and he came back out. And, you know, guys like that just love the game. They eat, breathe, sleep the game of hockey and they want to do whatever it takes to get back out there and um you know got to respect it got to respect the hell out of you know Connor Bedard and um after taking that hit um by Brendan Smith um you know which which again was a clean hit just an unfortunate um injury never want to see anyone uh never 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 want to see anyone break their jaw you know a hit like that I think you know, obviously, I don't think Brendan Smith had the intention to injure Bedsy, but um, I think that whole play just went very how the game of hockey should play. I, I think it was a good hard hit. Um, I think Nick Felino's response is exactly how what should have been done. Obviously, when your star player gets hit, um, the refs let him go. Um, they handled it like men. They handled it like, you know, professionals. Um, Brendan Smith answered the bell and, and that was it, right? Nothing else had to be done. Um, they kept the game in control. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing Bedsy back on the ice. So I, that whole thing, it just worked out, you know, obviously you want to see Bedsy recover, you know, well, I, I just was, I was a huge fan of that play. Um, just, just not the hit itself. I, I think, like I said, it was a clean hit, but just the way that the refs kind of let that play out, um, you know, allowing Felino to, you know, stick up for his teammate, Brendan Smith answering the bell. I think that just was, that's how hockey should be played. Um, you know, some, and, and that's it for that. Um, some other news, um, Vegas Golden Knights forward, uh, Jack Eichel's week to week. Um, he had lower body surgery. Um, he was hurt in, in Thursday's 2-1 overtime win um, against, you know, his hometown Boston Bruins, and he left in the second period, returned in the third, um, and scored in the third as well. Um, you know, and right after the game, uh, Coach Cassidy, um, you know, next practice, Coach Cassidy had, had mentioned that, you know, Jack's going to miss a little bit of time. He's having a great season. Um 19 goals and 44 points in 42 games. Um, he's been a really, really good, good player for that Vegas team. So wish Jack a, a speedy recovery. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, the, you know, we, a lot of these past episodes have been a lot of world junior talk, um, you know, covered the entire tournament. Um, so kind of just getting back from, you know, getting back in the swing of things, a little bit of a routine doing week to week stuff. Um, the you know, the big notes hitting on, you know, we got the trade deadline coming up. Um, you know, obviously the all-star games coming up, so it's gonna be um cool to follow that. Um I definitely don't want to get away from you know the college hockey talk because the college hockey talk is is my favorite thing. Um Got it. Also, got some other uh, really exciting news um, to you know to, to talk about, um, and that is that I am going to be launching a new um, PWHL page. 
Um, it's going to be a podcast um, as well as a, you know, a highlight page posting all PWHL stuff. Um, and I feel like this is just another opportunity to grow the game. Um, you know, I was really excited when, when they announced this, you know, the PWHL, I think, um, you know, having two sisters that, um, you know, both played sports collegiately, um, at a high level, it's something I, I really care about. And, um, you know, always getting to, to go watch them, whether it was play hockey or, you know, softball field hockey, it was definitely one of the, uh, highlights of my childhood going and being able to support them and watch them. Um, so yeah, it, this, you know, the PWHL is something I really want to, um, hone in on and, and focus on, um, along with drop the mitts, this, you know, it's going to be a continuation. Um, but I wanted to be able to do a separate, um, separate entity of, you know, professional women's hockey. Um, I think there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of extremely gifted players. I mean, anyone who's followed, you, you know, just to name a few, you know, the Hillary Knights of the world, you know, Alina Mueller, though, just from Boston, being a Boston dude. I mean, that's who I get to watch. Um, obviously, you know, Marie uh, Poulin, um, Sarah Nurse, uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, just to name a few. I mean, there's endless amounts of talent in that league. Um, so, again, yeah, really excited to announce that I'm going to be dropping um, PWHL Zone. Um, so toss us a follow. Um, all our handles are going to be uh, just all caps PWHL and then capital Z for zone. Um, and, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to, you know, post all the highlights I can and um, going to be working on finding a co-host, um, preferably, you know, a, you know, going to do my due diligence and um, just try to find the best fit um, to, for, you know, someone who wants to talk PWHL hockey. Um, again, someone who cares about it as much as I do and um, just wants to, overall grow the game i think that's the biggest thing is being able to you know grow the game for everyone and um you know for these these girls that you know are now going to be looking up to these professionals and and hopefully getting more the younger kids to play the game of hockey because it really is the best game in the world um and that's my goal here is to grow the game as much as possible and you know get these you know get their names out there and, and these highlights and um yeah, it, it's super exciting. Um, obviously, we're still working on logistics of things. We've got our logo that I'm going to be releasing here. Um, by the time this drops, I'm going to have already dropped the logo. So, um, and I'm going to be just asking for topics. Um, I think you know, I, I really want to do a interactive thing where being able to answer questions of you know fans and um, fans of the PWHL and just you know talk talk hockey, talk all things hockey. Um, so yeah, that it, that's one of the really exciting things I was really fired up to announce. Um, so if you get a follow or whatever from PWHL zone, just know it's me. Um, you know, we're, we're building this thing from the ground up and, um, I'm so excited for it. Um, definitely going to be devoting a lot of my time to this as well as drop the mitts. And it's, Something I really care about is bringing content and bringing, um, doing my, doing my part to to spread the game of hockey. 
Um, there's so many great content creators out there that are doing the same and trying to, um, you know, grow the game and get their brand out there. Um, so I think this is a really good opportunity, um, you know, to, to talk PWHL hockey. Um, that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, really, really excited. I mentioned earlier we have from the University of Denver, um, alternate captain Massimo Rizzo. Um, he's lighting up the NCAA right now, him and his teammate Jack Devine. Um, this Denver team is unbelievable. Um, you know, coached by David David Carl, um, extremely well-coached team, um, historic program, um, the tradition they have, the, the players that have gone through there, um, really fun team to watch. They're ranked fifth in the country right now, 15-5-2. and two. Um, and I mentioned for Rizzo, he's sitting at, you know, he's sitting at nine goals, 25 assists for 34 points, which is, you know, good for top in the NCAA and then fifth in points per game. And I mean, he's sitting behind, you know, a Macklin Celebrini, Colin Graff, who's an unbelievable player for Quinnipiac. Um, so yeah, I mean, we talked all things, you know, college hockey talked about the, the, you know, the Denver program, what, what they mean to him and. Um, you know, just their success over the past few years. It was cool. You know, I completely forgot that, you know, I was in the building for when they won the national championship, beating Minnesota state five, one. I mean, they were an absolute wagon, um, unbelievable team. Um, so without further ado, um, I bring you from the university of Denver, alternate captain and center Massimo Rizzo. Thanks, guys, and take care. Welcome back to another edition of Drop the Mids Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. Today, we have an awesome guest from the University of Denver, um, the NCAA leading scorer right now in points, uh, Massimo Rizzo. Uh, Riz, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, man, can't thank you enough for uh, for coming on. And uh, obviously, you guys are having an unreal year, sitting at ranked at number five right now. Um, you know, you're putting up unreal numbers again, um, just like you have the previous two years. Um, you guys sit at 15, five and two this season. Um, like I mentioned, ranked number five, what would you say are the, are the most significant factors, um, in your team success? Yeah. I mean, coming into this year, um, we had 10 new freshmen and, you know, Maddie Davis is going to be our starting goalie this year. So I think everyone was a little excited. It was definitely going to be a learning process early on for, all the news guys, but I think it just speaks to our coaching staff and our depth and, um, you know, everyone on our team buying into to the process and the way we play in Denver. And I think um, it's shown over the last last many, many years, um, just the culture and tradition that Denver has that we're always going to be a good team and always contending. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of, kind of going to, you know, go out of order here. Um, what is it like to play for head coach uh, Dave Carl? Um, obviously, you know, you know, he, he's got an unbelievable resume. He's a, he's a Denver guy through and through. Um, he's been there for all these years. Um, you know, you won the Natty, you know, you guys beat Minnesota state five, one, um, won a Natty with him. Um, what's it been like playing under, uh, coach Carl? Yeah, we're very fortunate. Um, he's an unbelievable coach. Our whole coaching staff's really amazing through and through, but DC, um, is knows a lot about the game. He's a very personal guy. He connects with his players well. Like he's easily approachable and um, personable. And 
I think he's just his nose for the games, um, second and none. And, you know, he's a younger guy. He kind of gets the new wave of the game. And he allows you to play out there. Like, he knows you're going to make mistakes. And he, and he knows, and um, you know, he lets you be creative and try things in our team system. And um, So I think he's just got a good balance of everything um, and, and knowing what it takes um, to win games. Yeah, again, that, that year you guys won the national championship. I mean, it was unbelievable year. Um, I got to watch, honestly, you guys, so you guys won in Boston, so I got to go and watch. And, uh, you know, Minnesota State had had the goal, that goalie having an unbelievable year. Um, he was the talk, right? Like, and you guys come in and, and put up five against them and it and won pretty convincingly. Um, what was it about that team um, that was so special? And, and what was that celebration like uh, after you guys won? Yeah, I think everyone – on that team, our belief was we could win the national championship. Um, we had such a tight team, like on the ice, away from the rink. We all hung out together. Like it was a pretty special team in that sense, where everyone was so close, and I think that helped us on the ice. But yeah, coming into it, we played Michigan, and all the talk was about all their first round picks and all their yeah. stuff and stuff like that. And um, you know, once we got through them, it was Minnesota State, and everything happened so quick. And um, being in like the Boston arena with all the fans and it, it was probably the coolest game I've ever played so far but yeah it just it speaks to um, you know, everything we learned throughout the season and, and coming together as, as a team and um, and just enjoying that experience yeah you know you mentioned um, you know being in Boston playing at the garden your fans travel really well like they were they were bumping in there you guys had a good amount of fans uh, travel to Boston um, what is it like playing in that barn? Um, it, it seems like, you know, Denver's obviously you got the avalanche and you guys being as good as you are. Um, what's it like playing in front of that fan base? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think it's just the, the tradition and culture at Denver. Yeah. Even our alumni are amazing. Like guys who come through the program, they're always giving back to our team. And, uh, whenever you, you meet them around, they're always coming to say hi to you. And I think it's pretty special that, you know, once you play there, you're always a pioneer, yeah. Uh, we had all the fans come out, and it just it, it makes it cool for us, even in our family section and stuff like that. They had this chance going right beside the bench, so it was cool. Once we won, as a special moment, to, you know, have the trophy, you're kind of taking photos of the fans behind the glass and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So that made it really cool. What What would you say is, uh, you know, aside from you know your home your home arena, the Garden, obviously that you just mentioned, you played in. What What would you say is the craziest barn? Um, whether it be the craziest. Your favorite, um, aside from your home rink? I think the craziest rink to play in is probably Western Michigan. I mean, they got the nickname, the Lawson Lunatics and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always fun going in there, even for warm-up. They got the whole student section filled already, and they got photos of guys' girlfriends up, and they're all giving oh, them man. and stuff like that. So, like I said, like you don't really need a coffee or anything to get into that game because once right. you go for warm-up, you're already juiced. So. Um, that's probably my favorite rate to play in so far. So kind of going back, you know, pivoting to this season specifically, you currently sit um, first in college hockey in points. you got nine goals, 25 assists for 34 points. Um, you know, your previous two years were unbelievable as well. Um, you know, 2021, 2022 in 39 games, you had 36 points. Um, and then the year and then last year it was 46 points in 38 games. Um, what would you contribute most to your personal success? Um, and then again, like, what is it about, 
your the fit, right? You being in Denver's program that's been able to make you so successful. Yeah, I think it helped coming into college a little bit older, and then coming with uh, DC and stuff, just putting me in a good spot where I was able to succeed. And I've played with some really good line mates over the years, and um, our teams had a lot of success, which obviously helps me be successful on the ice as well. So um, I think it's just been a good balance of, of playing with good guys and. And coming in and, and being confident and the coaches allowing me to kind of play my game within the system and um, and kind of do what I do best. And um, I've been pretty fortunate to be successful and, and have the team around me be pretty successful as well. Yeah, you know, another thing you mentioned, you had 10 freshmen coming in. Um, obviously, you know, to play Division One hockey is unbelievable, you know, for these freshmen. But most notably, one um, that's been making a huge impact on your team is, is Zeev Bouillam. Um, freshman defenseman having an outstanding season, um, five goals, 22 assists. Um, what, what's it been like seeing him and playing against him in practice and just kind of seeing the things, um, that he does, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And then obviously with him playing in the world juniors, um, were you a little conflicted, um, watching, you know, the United States and, uh, obviously you being a BC guy. Yeah, I mean, to start off, Z's obviously a really special player um, coming in. Like, he's got his older brother here, Shy, who's also mm-hmm. another amazing defenseman. So, um, you know, Zeev coming in, he came in really confident, really skilled, uh, unbelievable with the puck and his footwork is the best I've seen. So, I mean, guys coming out at the blue line, he just he makes you look silly out there. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool to see it. Then he's just so confident in games. He knows he's he's what he does well, and he showcases it every night. So that's been pretty special in the World Juniors. It was him, DC, our equipment manager, and our hockey ops guy were all there for USA. So yeah. um, I was definitely hoping they would do well. I mean, well coached game, and Zeev have a couple points, but I was always yeah. hoping for Canada to do well. Right. Uh, being a Canadian, but it was pretty cool that they, they were able to win gold. And it was cool for the program here as well to have those guys win it. Yeah. And, you know, another guy on that team, uh, your, your line mate, uh, your line mate, sorry, Jack Devine. Um, both of you guys sit within the top 10 um, in the NCAA in scoring. Um, you know, talk to us about your chemistry with Jack and uh, what makes, you know, what makes you guys so successful um, as line mates? Yeah. I mean, he, uh, we're the same class. We came in freshman year together. We lived together in the summer. And then we just started playing together last year for the first time near the, the end of the year. And we kind of built instant chemistry. Um, he's a really good player, really good person as well away from the rink. So I think it, we connect well. He's got a really good nose for hockey. He knows a lot about the game. And um, he does what he does best. He puts himself in good positions to get the puck, put the puck in the net. And he's, you know, you know good moving around the ice. So, I think we complement each other really well. And, and then also having McKay Webb start our line, I think it just yep. allows for a successful recipe. Uh, you know, and, and kind of in going back to, I want to talk about like your early days at Denver and even before that, um, with you being a BC kid, um, the your recruiting process, um, you ultimately choose University of Denver, but what was what was the whole recruiting process like? Were there other schools that were like heavily in play and then, um, once you did decide to choose Denver, what was it specifically about, you know, whether the city, the campus, um, the hockey program, what was it specifically um, that drew you towards, um, you know, Denver? Yeah. Um, 
being from BC, I mean, all the kids kind of grow up there and being from Western Canada, it's all about the WHL and um, mm-hmm. that's where most people want to go play. But um, for me, I toured a couple of schools in my grade 10 year, um, you know, Denver being one of them and stuff like that and kind of got my eyes open to college hockey and thought it would be the best route for me. So um, then I went through the BCHL and played close to home and obviously that league is progressing and, and getting better year yeah. after year and you're seeing guys come out of there and being really successful. So um, I think it's been pretty cool how they've been able to develop players and and then going through that process, um, it was a little sticky. I was, I was going to North Dakota originally. Yeah. And then I uh, battled a couple big injuries coming out of junior hockey and stuff like that. So once my recruiting process kind of reopened and Denver was interested, it was kind of a no brainer for me to, to say yes, they were one of the schools I originally was like talking to as well. And so um, it's very fortunate that you know, DC and Tavis and the coaches uh, gave me an opportunity. And, and then having that coaching staff, having the culture at Denver, you know, the winning tradition, the, um, they develop hockey players and, and, and people. And the school is obviously really good as well. And, um, you know, Matt Charles, our strength and conditioning coach, and he's been really good for me. Like we, we do really well in the gym as well. So it was just a combination of great athletics, great academics, you know, the hockey culture and tradition, the coaching staff, and ultimately being on a team that's going to push each other every day in practice and want to win a national championship. Yeah. You know, in growing up and, you know, during this process, even playing before that, you mentioned the BC, uh, HL, mm-hmm. um, when was it that you realized that like you had a legitimate chance to play division one and then ultimately get drafted? Like, was there a point in time where, um, you know, you, you, you were playing in a season, then all of a sudden you kind of thought to yourself, like, holy shit, like I, I really have a chance to, you know, take this somewhere. Yeah, probably my second year at Bantam, I thought like we had a really good year. Um, was going to play midget U18 um, at, at Burnaby Winter Cup again with like Mako Bolkovic was our head coach and he played mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. And so he kind of was, he knew what college hockey was like and he knew that was a great experience for him and a good route for us. So that's kind of where he opened our eyes to that route of hockey. And for me, I thought, uh, things were going well hockey wise and um i kind of was kind of getting recruited by different different colleges and um just talking to different people and thought that would be an option for me and i was pretty fortunate enough to to have this opportunity yeah um 2019 you're selected as the 216 uh 216th pick to the carolina hurricanes um Man, what was it like to hear your name um called um what was that day like you know obviously to get drafted in the NHL is a huge honor, right? And the best of the best get drafted. What was that day like? Uh, what do you remember from that day? Yeah, obviously very special day. Every kid's dream growing up is to get drafted in the NHL and to be fortunate enough to have that was really cool. So for me, it was just, I was home with my family, kind of watching the TV, um, waiting to see what was going to happen. And then um, getting the call from them that I was selected was kind of a dream come true. It was a pretty special moment having like my parents and my sister around me because obviously you gotta um attribute all of that success to, yeah. to them as well it took me to the rink growing up and and helped with my hockey career so um it was a special moment for the family but definitely a cool experience but you know that's kind of the draft something you could take off the list now but you know kind of the work begins after that and right um, obviously that's an amazing experience but um, the goal is to play at the nhl and have a good career there what was your what was the pre-draft process like? Like did you go to the combine? Did you have to meet with 
were there certain teams you met with? Um, like, I, I always like asking this question just because I wonder if, if there's any, like, you hear those bizarre draft questions, right, that, you know, GMs ask or, you know, reps ask. Um, did you have any of that, uh, any of those bizarre questions? Uh, I don't have. It was so long ago for me. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there was a bunch of interviews kind of leading up to the draft. I don't remember any crazy questions too much. I mean, you kind of fill out different surveys and there's like psychological surveys and stuff like that. And they'd always have some crazy weird questions and you have no idea how to answer it. If like you're putting right. what you're putting is right or wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't remember anything too crazy. But yeah, there was kind of a, I never went to the combine. Like I was injured that year. I ended up having yeah. surgery after that season. So I kind of, I missed all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, it was just the, the interviews are also really cool. I mean, you're 17 years old and you're talking NHL GM yeah. and stuff like that. And you're seeing the logos on their chest and you're like, wow, like this is kind of really happening. This is really cool. Uh, so you ultimately get drafted by, you know, Carolina. Um, were there any other teams that you kind of like really thought like, hey, I, I have a chance to go to this team that, you know, teams that made you feel really good during, you know, the interview process? Um, was it a complete shock that you went to Carolina? Like what did that whole thing look like? Yeah. I mean, for me, I didn't really have a clue, um, yeah. it was kind of up in the air. Um, so I was, I was excited that, that Carolina, um, selected me, but uh, at the time I, I didn't really think there's one team that I was like, okay, I'll probably go to these guys. It was kind of see what happens and, and, and go from there. So, you know, are there any players uh, in the NHL right now that you kind of try to emulate your game after? Like players that you kind of see a little bit of yourself in. Um, are there any of those guys in the league right now? Yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, in, uh, at Burnaby Winter Club. And we had guys like Matt Barzell, who's only four years older than me. And like he was a family friend of ours. So he was always my favorite player growing up. And Obviously, his next level is skating his hands. Yeah, oh, my God, dude. Unbelievable. And then, so fast. Yeah, you had guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is also a Bernie Winter Cup boy. So, um, and he was a special guy with his vision and stuff like that. Growing up, Pavel Datsuk was my favorite player. I mean, I always still I'll go back and watch his highlights. I kind of liked him. But, uh, you know, Braden Point, another smaller, faster, skilled guy. So, just a combination of everybody. It's so funny you bring up Datsuk because literally right before you got on, I was on TikTok and his shootout goal against Chicago where he kind of slid it back and it was like really delayed and he just flipped it over the goalie that just popped up. Yeah. And uh, oh, dude, he was unbelievable. He was so fun to watch in his prime. He was special. There's kind of so gross. and other skill guys, but I feel like no one was really like him with the creative stuff that he was able to pull off. And yeah, I think he was – I was watching another video too. He was – I think he was some – analyst or someone was trying to like said that he could get the puck from Datsuk and Datsuk just made him look like an idiot for like five minutes straight. Yeah. Um, so this past year you were involved in a trade um, that sent, you know, David Kasha, Kasha um, to the Hurricanes. You get sent to Philly. Um, how did you find out that news? Like what was your initial reaction to that? Um, obviously Philly was just in the news this past week with the, you know, the Cutter Gauthier stuff. Mm -hmm. Um you know, what, what was your initial reaction when all that went down? Yeah, I got the phone call. And um, for me, it's super exciting. It's a good opportunity for me in Philly. And I'm um, just talking with the staff in Philadelphia. Like, I'm super excited. The opportunity there, they've been really good to me. Um, you know, they got a bright future. They got a 
a ton of good prospects, good picks. The team's doing amazing right now under John Tortorella. So I think for me, it's super exciting for the future um, with them. And uh, it was obviously a really good opportunity and I'm pretty glad that unfortunate that happened. Yeah, you. I mean, you got to love what, you know, Keith Jones and Danny Bure, uh, Danny Briere. you mentioned John Tortorella. Like, I feel like they're a team that has gone way above and beyond expectations. Um, you mentioned they have a lot of solid prospects um, that, you know, with a bright future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my last question, man, for kids growing up, um, obviously younger kids that are watching college hockey, watching the pros, um, what would be your biggest piece of advice, whether it be, on ice things, off ice things that, you know, little tips that you would give these kids um, if they want to take their game to the next level and, uh, you know, play in these high, um, you know, play high level hockey. Yeah. I think for me, um, I love the game growing up. I, I love the game as well. I always had the highlights recorded from the night before and I'd wake up before school and I'd, I'd watch the highlights before I had to leave. And, um, I was pretty fortunate enough that we we threw a net in the basement. My parents kind of let me go nuts down there, shooting pucks through the walls. My dad, we just redid the drywall two years ago and kind of changed it up. But before it was all carpet and I had the net and the windows were all barred off. And I'd kind of go down there every day and I'd stick on with the golf ball and shoot pucks. And um, so for me, it was just the, the love of the game and, and enjoying it and having fun with it. You know, I never really felt like a chore. So I just say putting the extra work where you can, um, whether it's, you know, before or after practice, or if you have the, the opportunity, the ability to kind of do things away from the rink, whether it's stick handle or shoot or just do whatever you can to, um, elevate your game is, is what I would say. So I, man, going back, there was one other thing I just remembered. You had gotten the opportunity to go to development camp, right? Yep. What was, man, what was, what was that experience like for you? Cause I, I always like asking the kids that, you know, go back, you know, they're in college and then they get the opportunity to go to dev camp um, to kind of see, you know, what it's like to be a pro right for, for the week. And um, mm-hmm. what was that experience like for you? And, and, and what was your biggest takeaway, whether on ice things or off the ice things you learned? Yeah. I mean, my, I missed the first couple in Carolina cause of my injury and then it was COVID. So yeah, um, I just went, the two years ago or whatever it was but uh, it was cool you're obviously there with some really good players and they kind of set that up as like a, a week for us to absorb as much information as we could I mean we had we had chefs we had psychologists we had um, a bunch of kind of different seminars where we would take as much knowledge as we can and and bring it back with us so then the on ice stuff we're kind of doing skills but you know you pick up things from other players obviously there's really good players there and they kind of teach you what it's like to be a pro and and it's an everyday thing. It's not like you can work hard a couple of days a week. It's you got to bring it every day and try to get better every day. And um, you know, that's kind of what it takes if you want to get to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Massimo, man, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. I know you're extremely busy with hockey uh, school, so I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for coming on Drop the Mitts and uh, talking about your hockey career. No um, yeah, man, I, you know, I wish you you and the boys best of luck. You guys are so fun to watch. You know, I'm here in Mass, and I always love every time I can catch a Denver game. You guys are so fun to watch. Um, so, man, can't thank you enough, and, and best of luck to you and the boys the rest of the year. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, thanks, thank Sam. you. Thanks, man. That was Massimo Rizzo of, drop, of uh, University of Denver alternate captain. Um, unbelievable kid. If you guys ever get the opportunity to watch uh, University of Denver, 
um whether espn it's on you know tv definitely check them out they're an absolute wagon um but yeah you know that that concludes today's episode um episode 30 of drop the mitts hockey podcast uh, brought to you in partnership with primetime production um i'm your host chris davis um and everyone you guys stay safe out there take care